Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey everybody, welcome to the Gamer Heroes Podcast uh, with your friends at GGKC. I've got me, Thomas Egan, on the mic. We got And Mike on the mic. And we got Jimmy Hart. Yeah, hi. Friend Thanks of, for having me. Friend of the show. Hello. Yeah, hi Jimmy. Hello. I do, I, I do not know Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy is a, is a guest that Thomas brought in, and he seems all right. Well, I don't play any video games. <laughs> uh, why am I here? All right, we're going to have to edit Jimmy out. I take the out. handcuffs off. <laughs> Absolutely not. But okay. if you stick around for an hour, we'll take them off for you. Okay. Okay, <laughs> I can do that. It's a we'll, time, time release. We'll see thing. where it goes. All right. We'll just, we'll just edit it out with just silence. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'd love to, to chat about games, and uh, you guys are great. So. Yeah, you're our first guest since we uh, took over the show. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so, we got this this week, was a there was a bunch of news that came out. Um, normally, we start off the show with what we've been playing. If you guys want to warm up with a little bit of that but i've been playing same old i don't know if i need to talk about my stuff uh i've been playing a lot more axiom verge so i talked a little bit about axiom verge a few episodes ago um and in the beginning that's kind of when i was talking about it it was on sale i'd been kind of watching it to wait for a price drop because that original 25 dollars price seemed like a little high so it went on sale for nine dollars and so I immediately jumped on it, uh, started playing it, got a little bit into it, and then uh, kind of decided that I wouldn't have paid more than that for it. And I was glad that I waited for the sale. I got to tell you, over the weekend, though, I started to really get into it. And there's a lot more depth in that game than I realized. It's hard to talk about all of it uh, without dropping a bunch of spoilers. Mm-hmm. But the game gets pretty interesting. It's not just that kind of linear, like, normal, kind of Castlevania, Metroid-esque kind of game. It, the story evolves a lot. Um, you pick up, like, random bits of lore while you're playing, and some of the lore bits that you're picking up it will be, like, in an alien language. So you then have to find the translators to be able to translate some of the things you've already picked up. So, it's it, yeah, it's interesting because it's, like... In, in like, Metroid, when you finally figure that secret out, it's almost always some kind of upgrade or some kind of weapon or augment or something. But in this, sometimes you maybe just find lore, and it's not dissatisfying. Like, yeah. I think a lot of the times if you spend put in all the work to, like, find that little piece of lore that, you know, like, really, this is what it was. But I've, I've, I'm enjoying it. It's nice. This is definitely a genre that I play often. And that I enjoy. And recently, the games that have been coming out have 
expanded on that. It's it's not, like you said, it's not just Castlevania that has that RPG element to it. It's not just Metroid that divine, defined the series and starting it out and making it the exploration game. It's now tied in for different styles, like Spelunky is its own roguelike platformer sort of exploration, but not really. But also it shifts over to other games that are also indie titles like Zeo Drifter that was also really awesome and kind of an 8-bit game where you go to different planets and each one has its own sort of gimmick and you can go in and uh, get different upgrades and then explore more as you go to each of those planets. And um, even uh, La Mulana, uh, those types of games that are very, a little bit more hardcore. And then it, so I, I really like that and that one's a really great game as well. And I always thought it was kind of cool. It kind of mixed with Contra and get the different guns, and that was <laughs> yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah anytime I, you're shooting bullets, like, all over the screen, it's yeah. very satisfying. <laughs> you know, I like I like all the the different resurgences of retro games that have happened over the past, like, 10 or 15 years. Uh, you know, we had, like, the birth of modern indie games, I don't know, probably, like, 10 or 12 years ago, something like that, uh, when... Man, I you know I, I've said some dates on here before that were what, decades off. <laughs> so so I, I really shouldn't be throwing out stuff like that. But um, when uh, when the original modern indies like Fez and Braid, uh, Super Meat Boy came out, uh, you know that takes an old genre and makes it new. But it was it was new for a lot of reasons besides just being like a side scroller. All of those they've brought with them all these quality of life improvements that would not have been possible back when they were made. Not just because of technology, but because we hadn't figured out how to make games yet. Yeah. Uh, so there's like, um, there's Owlboy. I forget what all systems it's on. I think it's on Switch and PC for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's on PlayStation or Xbox. But man, that is a gorgeous game. And it's just Fantastic. a side-scroller. Well, uh, that almost feels like it's underselling it, but uh, there's a lot going on in that game and man, is it gorgeous. And it's crazy to think that like you can see that and see that it's beautiful, but then see like uh you know a Red Dead Redemption and and see that that's beautiful, but it's in totally different graphical styles and um you know it's just not something we could have made back then, but it's cool to take that aesthetic and know that it it did it's not bad because it's old, it's not bad because it's simple. Sometimes that's what can make it good, and to see these designers who've grown up seeing those games, now they're like, ooh, okay, I like that, but I'm going to make my own. I'm going to make my own twist on it. Right. So you constantly get new gameplay, new systems, uh, different, you know, lore, like, unlocks. Yeah. That, that wasn't something that would have happened 20 years ago. Yeah, it's nice to see, like, the the modernization of the games, too, just in regards to the gameplay aspect. Like, for example, in, in Axiom Verge, there's a portion where you unlock something where you have these... And I'm going to use the technical term here. Ooh. I'm going to call them uh, wall robots because <laughs> okay. I do not know what these are. <laughs> They're just these robots that hang on the wall. Well, well, there's this like classic. There's this floating head in one of the one of the zones. Also classic. <laughs> and it's it, it turns into almost like a fast travel. So. I mean, when I'm playing the game, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is definitely Super Metroid because it forces you to go through every <laughs> zone if you need to go back. And then you finally un- unlock this robot, and then you can just jump on it, and it just moves you very quickly through this, like, 
very rectangular linear level and then mm-hmm. it has exits all around it that take you to the different the different zones That's cool. so i was like man when when i saw that and i started using that i was like this has opened up so much game for me for this game because i was afraid that if i was going to have to move through all the zones over and over again i'd just get bored It'd with take it forever yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, you spend a lot more time moving than playing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not like, you know, in a game like Horizon Zero Dawn where you can unlock fast travel and it saves time, but there is a lot of world in between it. You know, there are perks to running there and to fast traveling. You know, same with Skyrim, same with all that stuff. Uh, but in a game like Axiom Verge, like, you've already seen it. <laughs> yeah. There's not that much more to do. Like, I don't want to run back through here. I thought it was cool when I did it, and I want new stuff now. So fast fat travel allows you to move to a different spot without forcing you to trudge through, through something where you already got the best of it. So there's not that much to rediscover um, like you might in a random encounter in like a big RPG. Yeah, and when you're playing a game like Axiom Verge, it's almost important to have to run through the same spot ten times. Because you may miss that secret the first time, the second time, the third time. And then finally, just the repetition of going over and over and over this map, that's when you realize that there's something there that you need. Mm -hmm. Whereas with something like Horizon Zero Dawn, I mean, there are definitely secrets there, but it's not necessarily a requirement of Mm -hmm. moving the the story forward. Yeah. So there's a game I've been playing uh, fairly recently called Hollow Knight. Oh, yeah. And yep. that brings up almost a few different points that you're talking about with Axiom Verge. I mean, the so the fast travel in that game, you get fairly quickly in the game, but you do not... I mean, you unlock the different travel points as you explore everything. So it's not, you know, you unlock it automatically and can go anywhere you want and ruin the game. You, you explore, you find your way through it, and then you unlock that by... You even have to pay some of the, the currency in that game in order to unlock it. Uh, but the second point that I wanted to bring up is is really big for me, too, is the lore. I love the games recently and how it's kind of like just barely feeding you anything. And you can either, Dark Souls fashion, fill in your own like story in between and kind of try to make the pieces work. Or even Destiny does the same thing, 1 and 2, kind of just giving you little bits and the, the weapons have lore in it. Or you go to a certain area and you see something and you're like, oh, okay, that, that must be the, the church in Bloodborne that is with this weapon's story. And then you can kind of piece everything together. Mm-hmm. I think it's super cool how the, the stories are starting to do that in all these games. Yeah, it's also nice, like um, like with Hollow Knight specifically, like, they are not worried about you finding it not realistic. You know, like, they just <laughs> yeah. want to throw you in this weird world where you're going to have fun in it, and it's it doesn't matter to you when you're playing. It's not Sometimes I think people try to make games too realistic. And I'm not necessarily always playing to feel like I'm going to work or something. Mm-hmm. I want to play because I want to go into a fantasy world. Tell me a story. Tell me something ridiculous. I don't care what it is. As long as it's interesting, I will consume it, you know? I feel like Hollow Knight is very much that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm some weird insect thing, maybe. And maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows, but it's fun. Yeah, evil, maybe. I don't know. Everything looks evil. If everything looks evil, is there evil? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, another point also is fast travel. How do you guys feel about fast travel in games? Because I was uh, reading something recently about Spider-Man. And Spider-Man just came out. It's fantastic. And... Of course, I mean, who doesn't love playing as Spider-Man, swinging around from place to place, getting from point A to point B, but you can still have the option to fast travel, but how many people in Skyrim 
eventually, I mean, you could walk around for a while, but then mm-hmm. you do just fast travel everywhere, mm-hmm. realistically. It happens. I mean, what what do you guys think? I mean, is there a, is it the developer's fault for not coming up with something a little bit more creative to make the journey interesting? I definitely think it's up to them to make the game enjoyable, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of Japanese developers are definitely guilty of making games that they're, especially Nintendo, where they're like, okay, well, we made the game this way. We know that you guys are upset about this. You want it, you know, A, B, and C, and we made it X, Y, and Z, but you're just going to have to accept it because this is the game we want to make. And it's like, on one hand, it's cool that you're sticking by your guns. On the other hand, we we just want it to be more fun. Like, (laughs) you know, like in uh, Splatoon, the there were these what they're called like salmon runs i haven't played splatoon i've only watched it and listened to a bunch of coverage of it uh there are these limited releases where like for two days maybe you have these specific maps unlocked and you can play this mode on them but then later that week they're going to be different maps and you can't play those other ones so it only lets you play some of the maps at a time and so a lot of people said hey we just want to play all the maps all the time at least give us a mode that allows us to do it. Like, if other people want to do it the way you've got it, cool. But just give us this thing we want. And Nintendo was like, oh, that, we've heard your feedback, but just know that we've made a good game and we're not changing it. <laughs> <laughs> just like, well, okay. You know, As they bathe in their money. Right, yeah. right. Uh, but then, I, so it, it's up to the developer to make the game that they're trying to make. Uh, in, in Nintendo's case, I wish they would just do what people are asking for, but... You know, they're a business, and if they don't do well, then they won't do well. But they're swimming in dollar bills, so they'll be fine. Uh, what I can relate to is I've been playing Fallout 4 on survival mode, which has no fast travel. And I like that because it's so immersive where you have to think about everything you do. Because if you just aren't paying attention, it's like it's it's, un, it's not different from Dark Souls where if you're just, oh, I fought the skeleton 15 times before. I know how to beat him. But then you just aren't paying attention, and it knocks you off a ledge, and you got killed by the first enemy in the game. You know, uh, Fallout in survival mode does that. And because you can't fast travel, and you can only save when you sleep, boy, you are careful about that stuff. (laughs) So uh, it does, like, on one hand, sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I could just, like, I need a doctor now, and I wish I could just get to one. But it really makes me plan out, like, when I go on a quest, I'm doing a quest, I'm not doing 10 quests at once like I usually do in a Bethesda game. I'm doing one quest because that's all I can count on surviving. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, So I actually like that. Definitely not for everybody. I'm glad that it's a mode I can unlock. uh, Because in most games, I try not to fast travel unless unless it's going to be more fun for me to fast travel. Yeah. I think it kind of depends both on the game and just like the the mode of transportation, right? Mm-hmm. So I haven't played Spider-Man yet. I really want to. I, normally, I'm not that into, like, superhero games, but based on what I've heard for Spy- from Spider-Man, it sounds like it sounds like that's the money I'm going to spend. That's pretty <laughs> so, sweet. Uh, but I feel like if you're if you're swinging through, like, the city from, skys- from skyscrapers and stuff, that's going to be a really cool mode of transportation. Whereas with Skyrim, if I need to go from one point of the map to another point of the map... I'm just staring at a horse's ass for, like, three hours, you know? (laughs) So I feel like maybe if they just added in something that was a little bit faster, 
and maybe gave you a little bit more freedom of motion. Like if horse they, armor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the horse armor that barely raises. <laughs> Which uh, also makes sense. Well, one, one thing, <laughs> since I'm thinking about it, in Skyrim, so that's another one. When they released mods for console, they came out with survival mode for free for everybody, which is not as brutal as Fallout survival mode by a long shot. But uh, it it doesn't allow you to fast travel. You have to, like, warm up if you're out in cold areas. Like, if you go swimming in icy water, you're going to be in trouble. Uh, you have to eat, sleep, all that good stuff. And I, I really like that. That's what I go to those games for. So I'm glad that those are there because I thought the best uh, not-quite-DLC I've ever got gotten was survival mode in, in Fallout New Vegas. That's what I wanted for so long. I didn't even realize they were making it, and then it came out, and I was just like, this is... This is what I've always wanted from these games. Like, I like that slow movement of everything in the way that I don't like a game like Civ, where it goes on, because at least I can look around and see how pretty everything is. I'm all yeah. about that. But in Skyrim, they while you can't fast travel in that mode, you can still use the carriages. So as long as you can get to oh, a nearby big city, a big town, you can at least carriage to another city. So it makes the longest you have to run on horse like five minutes. I feel like if you're already in like a fantasy world, why not give you a quest where you can like tame a hippogriff or something? You just fly around. I guess I have to remind myself the age of Skyrim and that possibly just wasn't even in the cards at the time because it was already a, a huge undertaking. Well, I'm pretty sure I get a spoiler alert, I guess. No, it's been out forever. You, you can tame a dragon at some point. You, I think you can oh. fast travel two places and ride in on your dragon. You can't control it, but you can tell it to like circle around. I've seen I've seen Lizzie do it before. Oh. Where is this like a DLC? Uh I mean it definitely wasn't with the base game, I don't think. Uh that doesn't sound right. I don't I, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, probably it's, a mod. There's no it's you a, can it's ride a, Thomas the tank engine a, <laughs> to your destination. Macho man Randy Savage yes. that's one of my favorites. You could absolutely ride that tank engine to White Run I haven't seen it personally. It very well uh, could It be does exist. It's like near the end of the story mode, I think, which I've never beaten, so I've never seen it myself. Has anybody? It's like, yeah. a, it's like a shout. <laughs> I think when I, uh, I stopped playing Skyrim after I had made it to almost every point on the map. Wow. And when I realized that there were no like armor or weapon upgrades left to me. And that it's been three years. <laughs> yeah. You wake, your beard has grown, you, <laughs> you haven't yeah, paid the bills, exactly. the lights are actually off. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Grayman. It's, it's like, they call you. I, need, I need that, I need to continue progression. Like, if I haven't finished the story arc, and I already have... I mean, I know that I know that some people like really went into min-maxing that game with like really making the best weapons you could make. But I mean, I'm not a min-maxer. I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time figuring out the entire enchanting tree or anything. Yeah. So if I've already kind of gotten like my base amazing weapons, now that's a lot. Like I'm lost a lot on that game. I could I could finish the story. I should have. But it's funny that you did everything else. It's just like when, when sure we talk about, about I've, Fallout I've never, 4. I've only ever beaten one Bethesda game, and I've sunk, like, 
at least 300 hours across all those games. <laughs> at least. It's like when we talk about Fallout 4 and we talk about like having settlements everywhere and you've rebuilt the population of the entire world and you still haven't even taken the next step to find your son. You know? <laughs> <laughs> your Priorities. Son's like, yeah. <laughs> your son's like 8,000 years old by this point. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, for real. But so that's what's funny is like I'm really excited about Red Dead Redemption 2. But I agree, I have also not, I mean, Grand Theft Auto was never really my thing. Of course, I would, like, pick it up, play the first mission where you escape from the thing, and you drive the car really quickly, and you wreck, and then you just kind of kill everything, and go, and then I never finish the story, ever. It just kind of... Man, that, GTA V is the best one you should actually play this story on. That's the only one that I actually wanted to do. Really? And I definitely never finished it, because I, well, got distracted. But, exactly. But this exactly. is the only one where I actually was interested in seeing things play out because they had the multiple characters and they were each dynamic enough that all their missions were totally different. And I mean, mission after mission after mission, they would just throw a new mechanic in that I was not expecting. I just remember some of the missions being so incredibly hard that it just frustrated me. Specifically the mission where you're Michael... And I don't remember exactly. You're like you have you're towing a boat or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know what you're. And saying. your son is like you're trying to keep your son from falling off the boat or something yeah, yeah. like that. And I just like I remember playing that mission over and over <laughs> and over. And at some point, I was like, "Can I just not have a son anymore? Can you just get rid of him? The guy's <laughs> yeah. a loser anyway." <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Fallout, man. And so I don't want to be your son. But did you guys play Red Dead Redemption? Yes, I did. Uh... I did, and I did the same thing I do with all of those games where, like, you have the storyline missions that you that you should be starting, but they just give you so much game up front that I'm just exploring. What's strange is I feel like that's one of the only games, other than I, I played Oblivion a lot. I played a yeah, lot of Oblivion. But yeah. Red Dead Redemption, I really got into. I mean, I would, I would definitely put on my cowboy hat and put on my spurs <laughs> and sit down on the couch... And I played that story and really enjoyed it. And I, I'm not big on, I mean, I don't watch Western films or even anything like that. But I really liked that, just the style, that spaghetti Western music of it. And they eventually yeah, like brought out the online. And then you can hole up in the saloon and, like, take it out. And then some of your wanted levels high enough where people are just trying to come find you. And then you can have a team and just take everybody out. And it was that was a blast. I loved that. So the, the problem is now I don't know if my PlayStation will ever be able to hold that game plus anything else I want to play because it's like 100 gigs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 105 gigs, but it's unclear if that uh, is specifically for 4K. Since I don't have 4K TV, like, do I need the whole update? Uh, So that's not clear, but even if it's not 4K, it's probably like 80 gigs, I'm guessing. Uh, That's a wild guess, but, I mean, it's still going to be very big and... Man. Well, either way, it does say 105 gig minimum on the poster. Minimum. Minimum. And I had trouble loading Fallout because the one PS4 was, was full, and then the second one that we have for our tournaments and stuff, I loaded it up on there. But even now, I mean, I've got that and Ratchet and Clank on there, which is pretty big. And uh, I think I might have Skyrim on maybe that one. But I'm hitting capacity where I'm like, man, I'm just going to have to delete and redownload this stuff. Like, I'm glad I have internet that can reinstall it in a reasonable amount of time. Mm-hmm. But not everybody has Google Fiber, and mm-hmm. even mine's not that fast. 
you know, 105 gigs, whoa, that's a big ask. And yeah. that, that doesn't include, like, a day one update, if that's going to happen. Um, you know, I, there are questions it raises, but boy, that's a high number. The good news is that means there's a lot of game. Yeah. You know? Oh, and it's gorgeous. Yes. Everything I've seen on it is just gorgeous. I've watched a bunch of gameplay stuff from it, um, a bunch of screenshots. Every day they post multiple times, at least on their Facebook account, of all these screenshots that are focusing on a different aspect of the game, whether it's here's a bunch of wildlife shots. Like, here's what it looks like when you're hunting wildlife. Here's what it looks like when you're riding your horse just to ride it. Here's what it looks like when you're riding your horse to chase somebody down. (laughs) And it's just, I keep thinking, surely they're going to run out of themes here. But every day there are more and more and more, and all of it is beautiful. And some of it's video, which means you actually get to see it in action instead of, you know, a photo mode, which is good, but that's not what you're really going to see when you're walking around. I cannot wait for that game. I am really big into westerns and stuff too. I would take a western over like a GTA, you know, urban, modern kind of thing. Uh, but again, I mean, I, I kind of am into that slow paced stuff and the horseback riding. I'm glad that stuff's fun because that seems like the kind of thing that could really suck really fast. Yeah. You should be like, man. Horseback riding stinks, and everything is miles apart. I guess I won't do anything. So okay. I hope it's really exciting on the way, you know? Yeah. And, well, and that's the impression that uh, both the gameplay that they've shown off and the gameplay that people have played that none of us can see yet uh, has kind of alluded to is that this world just has so much going on that's not only scripted events that if we both play independently, we're both going to see, but also tons of random things along the way people their carriage is broken down on the side of the woods. You know, maybe it's winter and this pack of wolves is extra hungry, so they're going to be unusually aggressive or something. Um, Just lots of things that will happen just when you're walking through, which I like. Um, You know, I didn't like The Witcher very much, but the little bit that I played, I probably played... Hold on. (laughs) Stop. I, I loved watching it, but thoroughly did not enjoy... The, the combat. Really? But really what comes down is how has that not been brought up on this podcast <laughs> since now? I keep it under wraps. Okay. I don't, I understand why. Get out, Tom. Uh, so, you know, that's a game that I loved watching and I, I kept telling my buddy, like, during that year, I was like, dude, I give Witcher a game of the year and I have not played it. That game is amazing to watch. And my friend kept saying, he's like, yeah, it's fun, but the combat ain't great. Like, you know, and I would keep saying, oh, this game is amazing. And he's like, okay, but just here to remind you, it's rough when you're playing it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So then I go to pick it up and I'm like, oh boy, I do not like this at all. I feel like I'm just lumbering around everywhere. So that really is a game I kind of want to watch a playthrough of, but then I want people to make decisions. I, really all I want is for someone else to play it and they just make the decisions I want. <laughs> so maybe th- maybe I got to convince my girlfriend to, to play that one. They're just like a power glove. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I really would like that. That's a game I love to watch, did not like to play. Uh, with Red Dead, I don't get the impression that I'm going to have that issue. Um, so you know, confession, I also did not like The Witcher very what? much. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were against me. No, and it's it's actually not for the same reason completely, which I also think is kind of strange. Uh, I I liked the combat. I liked the strategic even planning before you go into combat. I, I love that, that was super stuff. super cool. 
but I think it's the movement for mm. me. It was really weird and clunky. That's no what it was for me. It was like, okay, like, heavy attack, and this wolf has already bitten me and run away by the time I finish swinging. We're not talking about the first Witcher, are we? Witcher no. 3. Okay, because I was going to say, the first Witcher, uh, that was that had the worst <laughs> movement I've ever played before. Well, if the but... first one has bad movement, <laughs> and the new one has bad movement, 2 is just doomed. There's no way the 2 has... It's like, no, 2 is actually great. It was perfect. <laughs> No, I I would move the joystick, and then it would take a second, and then he would start running, like that sort of weird starting to run movement, Mm. and it makes it super clunky. In the very beginning of Witcher Three, no spoilers, because that's exactly my biggest problem. You have to jump through an obstacle course. I do remember that, and I'm like, oh my god, what is happening? I don't. Oh, oh, okay. So then I, I got out of that. I kind of start to get it, and I'm playing the game. I'm like, all right, yeah, I get it. I, I understand. So I'm going to swing my heavy, heavy silver sword here, and I understand the swings, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's fine. I get it. But that movement is just. Yeah. But then it also just turned into another open world game that I will literally never finish. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. I like the story and how deep it is. Dude, I love the weather effects in that game. Yeah. Like I could just stand out in the middle of nowhere and just watch the weather for a screensaver. I'd be totally happy with that. And so I was explaining, uh, I don't know if you guys have played God of War, because that's actually one of the things that I'm playing. The new one on PlayStation mm-hmm. 4. That's what I'm playing currently, along with a couple other things. And the the game is gorgeous, the story is great, but it's just, there's nothing else. It's just another, uh, you walk into an area and there's, oh, I'm going to get ambushed here because there's a bunch of... There's some pots over there with health in it. I see it. There's a thing over here that I need to make sure to, to hit and release the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it super basic otherwise. Mm-hmm. But everything else is fantastic. So it's almost easier to overlook. And that's probably just the Witcher, the one thing that like, just grinds your gears, if you will. Yeah. It's just the thing that just keeps you away from it. I remember the thing that I liked the most about the Witcher uh, was specifically we play so many games in these really dreary, like, fantasy worlds, and nobody goes grimdark enough, you know? You never, you don't experience enough of, like, how bad would this life actually be? Mm -hmm. And The Witcher is like, that's fine, we won't pull any punches, we're okay with, like, showing you how bad it can get. Yeah. And, like, it's funny, earlier I was talking about how I don't always need realism, but, I mean, that is an aspect of how I feel, like, would be realistic in that Mm -hmm. time. Or in, in that scenario, I guess. I loved that about that game, too. Uh, when I would watch my friend play it, he would be a different... Like, I'd watch it for a little bit, and then some amount of time would go by, and then I'd pop in, and I'd be watching it again. He'd be in a totally different place, totally different characters, totally different storylines. And each time, everything's playing out differently, but like you're saying, it's always this dark, like, hey, we're not kidding around. You know, when they are kidding around, they're kidding around. Mm-hmm. But, like, when some serious stuff's going on, boy, buckle up, because... You know, maybe, maybe the children just aren't going to have a happy ending. Yeah. You know? Maybe they just all get eaten alive. <laughs> you know, no big deal. Yeah, so I really did like that because I do like that stuff. I do not need a happy ending in a game. I don't even need a lot of resolution. I, you know, I'm more for the journey than the destination, which is why I am not upset that I have not beaten a, an Elder Scrolls game. I... I've Maybe never will second. be Fallout 4. Who knows? Exactly. I've enjoyed every second of Eld- every Elder Scrolls game that I've played, but I have not beaten one other than Oblivion. <laughs> yeah. Even with those, of course, Bethesda always has a goofy sense of humor anyway, and their games have enough jank in them that <laughs> you kind of just got to take it with a grain of salt. 
you know, the in Fallout New Vegas, you walk up to a burn settlement and somebody runs up to you all crazy voice and it's just like, woohoo, I won the lottery. And you're just like, uh, what? Okay. And you let the guy go and then there's like a video of somebody just doing all this dumb junk in that game. And he sees the guy like run off and like, I won the lottery. He's like, <laughs> just shoots him down it's like oh man that, I guess that is an option something you can do and it's just silly because like normally I feel like no one would ever do it or you know maybe everybody but me uh, but that it all feels so silly even when it's trying to be grim uh, or, or like in Fallout New Vegas I never even got this far but I saw one like it's like uh, the big bad in that game is like hey I need you to like I think I have a brain tumor or something like that and your option is like go do whatever he needs you to do I assume you can help him by the end of it. But someone's like, oh, yeah, I'll help you. And then next... The next <laughs> what quest ends with you learning how to do brain surgery? Uh, if, if you have high enough science, I've seen that you can uh, do some options. That's with, uh, uh, what's his name? The Kaiser. Uh, like the leader of the bad faction in that, in that game. Uh, but it's like, hey, can you help me? And it's like, yes, I will help you. And the next screen is like, you've blown his head off. And it's like, you know, and the quest is called like a real headache or something like that. Uh, but it's goofy stuff like that where it's just like, <laughs> this, this would never go down like this. Like, now, you know, you just quick saved. I know it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I like with The Witcher, you've got weight to that stuff. And, um, you know, with, with uh, Red Dead, as far as I understand, the new one has like an honor system. I think the last one did too, but I did not get far enough in it. Uh, to, not to that I can know remember, about it, I don't think so. It had the normal like wanted level system, mm-hmm. but well, I heard, I heard in the last one, uh, it was if you got if you were like dishonorable, all as far as you could go in whatever direction this was, and then you killed your own horse, that the next time you called a horse, it would bring in this like nightmare undead horse. I think it was in the n- undead nightmare that uh, DLC. Sense, yeah. So maybe that honor system was in was in the undead nightmare, but. Uh, you know, that stuff is kind of gamey, which I like. You know, that's definitely not realistic. <laughs> that's yeah. not how that works. What's funny is I heard uh, an article recently about Reddit 2 that if you were to kill just like a random civilian, somebody, like there are even certain families that the brother or the sister will find out and they will hunt you down mm-hmm. like outside of your wanted level. Like somebody will try to attack you and there's like, I guess a little cut scene that says, hey, you killed my brother, you killed my sister, and now you're going to die. So I wonder if the horse is going to find, the, the, the oh. family of the horse is going to find you. Now you're thinking. That, that horse is going to come to you in its sleep. Do you know what? That, remind, that sounds like the uh, nemesis system from Shadow of Mordor, mm-hmm. which is something I always wanted more games to just pick up on. I was hoping we'd have a big, that was cool. you know, that was instead a of a game. battle royale m- movement, I was hoping we'd have a nemesis movement where they'd ha- offer more of that stuff of like, hey, people are actually going to remember that this went down. You know, and it, you may not think about it for a while, but it'll show up. And uh, in there, I had heard coverage of like in the next town over, the bartender had heard about what you're doing, and when you walk in, it's just like, hey, I'm, all right, I wouldn't normally do this, but you know, I'm not looking for trouble. Just you know, keep your peace. Here's a drink, yeah. and stuff like that. Where it's like, well, it had nothing to do with this wanted level, but somebody remembered, somebody awesome. remarked on it. Um, so I'm interested in that stuff. Uh, the game has just a ton of small quality of life things. I mean, Grand Theft Auto was full of really small details that were really thoughtful um, that I can appreciate. You know, it's easy to get big stuff right, generally speaking, at least with time and enough money and they got no shortage of money. But to get all those little things right, 
is is crazy. I mean, if you look up lists of everything Rockstar has put into GTA Five, like on release, not even stuff they came up with later, but before anybody gave them feedback, they came up with just uh, hundreds of tiny little like, oh wow, I can't believe someone thought of this. Like someone had to intentionally code this thing happening. I can't believe someone thought about that. And then you think about it, it's like, man, that's expensive. Where the like a rock star is the only way like a triple a is the only way that a game like that can have that minutia because a smaller developer just cannot it's it's not feasible to have to be that thoughtful just funding yeah you can't pay somebody mm -hmm. long enough to do that stuff yeah it's like the one writer that's like getting paid and forgotten in the closet and he's just like "Mm, i'm just fine i'm just gonna keep going right (laughs) (laughs) so i'm excited for that minutia uh, because, you know, take whatever they learned from the last game and everything they've learned from GTA Five, and everything they've learned from the online, uh, from GTA Online. Um, I, I can't wait for this because they, they've done a lot of learning over the past, you know, five years when GTA, GTA came out. Um, so I'm excited to see. I'm excited to play it myself. I, I am, I'm going to buy probably Spider-Man and I'm going to buy Red Dead, which, man, I usually buy like one AAA a year. And here we go. I don't think I'm going to regret it. They both look great. Uh, so I'm really excited about this stuff. I just hope I have enough hard drive space yeah. to download it. And based on the size of both of those games, you'll have, like, months and months and months of gameplay out of it. Yeah. Well, going back to uh, Mike's point here is, like, the the difference is with Spider-Man, for example. I mean, you could play that one and done, kind of, in my opinion. I mean, you play it through it. You get the story. You can swing around, collect the things, because it's going to be a collect-a-thon if you're not playing through the story, right? Mm-hmm. So you get through that, and then you're done. So you can just delete that and then make try to make room for Red Dead. Yeah. There's no way I'm going to beat it that fast. Because <laughs> I know I'm going to have a couple days where I'm like, mm, maybe I play a little Overwatch, and then I play a lot of Overwatch. And then I'm still trying to beat Ratchet and Clank, so I, I'm, I think I'm actually going to 100% that game. Uh, it, it's fun to explore, and I read online. I was trying to get a one out of you know one thing out of 18 that were littered on the map. Cannot find them, and I was like, well, this stinks. Now I'm never going to 100% this game because I don't want to go back and look at this. But I read online that there's a an item at the end of the game that illuminates those collectibles on your mini map. So now I get to go and do my favorite thing, which is exploring. And still get all the stuff. So that's perfect for what I'm trying to do in that game. Easy mode. Easy mode. But I'll wait till the end to get it uh, after I've burnt myself out on trying to do it the good old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. That's uh, going to be one of those things, too, where you, whichever one you pick first, you're going to have to start it again. Because if you pause for Overwatch in between, you're just going to forget where you were. <laughs> that was my problem with the first Red Dead. As I just yep. kept setting it down in lieu of, like, that was when I was playing Mass Effect 3 multiplayer all the time. And I, I would do exactly that, and then I'd come back, and I couldn't remember how to lasso anything. And I'm like, well, never going to get that horse. <laughs> hey there, I'm Batman, and I wanted to tell you about my friends at the Screen Heroes Podcast. They deliver sweet justice in the form of discussing movies, television, and me. They love my movies, every single one of them. Yes, Even that one. Sometimes they even have me on as a guest, which is thrilling. You can find them at twitch.tv slash heroes podcasts. Live on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Gotham time. If you can't tune in live, the new shows go up on places like Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
Gotham Radio, Themyscira Live, and Blog Talk Radio. Now, back to your regularly scheduled Batcast. So I have a, a question. I mean, I know I'm a guest, right? So I don't actually know these things about you guys. Uh, I have a question for both of you. What is the the number one game that started out that gave you the most surprise? Like, you were surprised by this game. And I'm right. assuming usually this will end up being a game that's in one of your top five or ten because of that surprise. I'm going to say outright that that's a terrible question. We're going to have to edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um I can give examples if it helps. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, let's so hear. I'll start out. So my, I have two, two for sure in the, the last few years. So the first one was a while back, and you already mentioned it is actually Fez. Mm-hmm. Fez is actually one of my top five games because I, I downloaded it when it first came out. Is one that I just was very excited for when it first came out. I love puzzle platformers, and I mean, what about that game was not amazing? It, other than the developer being a trash dude, but <laughs> yeah, you're right. About that was <laughs> that's the one thing actually. Yeah, but the game itself was fantastic. The music was fantastic. the The sense about that game is that, of course, when it first came out, nobody knew how to do anything. So it was one of those titles where I I went online. I was it was me and a roommate at the time. I was playing it, and he had his laptop next to him, and. He was trying to find any sort of anything on what to do, how to solve puzzles. Because some of them are just crazy obscure. Right, You don't even realize it's a puzzle, much less how to solve it. It was the best because then, I mean, we're just, we finally found, of course, a forum. And we're on this forum just trying to talk with people and figure out the puzzles. And we're working together with these people that we don't know. And, like... Again, this is an old enough game where I can go a little bit of spoilers. But there's even a whole... Actually, don't tell me the whole thing with owl statues. Not where I was going. I, I have to, my game says I've 100% of that game, and I have not mm. at all 100% of that game. So there is stuff. There, there's some weird stuff. Like I've seen the QR code. I got that. There's another one. There's there are two red blinky dots. It might just be one in the sky. Yeah. And you have to like you sure. have to Morse code it, and then yeah. figure out what the Morse code actually means. And do, it gives you basically a code to put in and unlock something. Huh. And I was just like, what? That is this really is cool. so outside of where I thought this was going. It's crazy. So it, there's different, of course, worlds that you go to. And one of the, the first-ish worlds has a, a clock tower. And on this clock tower, it's it's just like a giant Big Ben sort of clock tower. And on each, so again, the mechanic of Fez is that you press the L and R buttons and it spins the world in 3D, even though it's a 2D platformer. So you press the right trigger and it spins to the right. And it could be a door that you did not see beforehand because it was in a different plane. And uh, on this clock tower, of course, the hands on the clock are in different positions on each side of the tower. And at the time, this was Xbox 360 when I played it, it was definitely tied to the clock in real time, the clock on your system. And then, yeah, so you you had to wait until the clock hands met at like, you know, 12 or 12.15 or something. Yeah. And it would unlock a, a piece. Huh. Like an actual cube. Uh, and so that game, for example, I mean, it, many, many times throughout playing that game, we figured those puzzles out with me and my roommate and the people online, just how to solve these puzzles. And that experience in general, just overall, I mean, I could look way past that dude being a douche. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Because it was fantastic. 
and so highly recommend that game. It's probably super cheap now. I think you can get it on your phone even at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna have to play that. My number you two. You really should play that. I, yeah, if you, talking about platformers already and like Axiom Verge and that mm-hmm. kind of exploration, yeah, for sure. That it's really amazing. Uh, number two would be Dark Souls. And we've mentioned that a little bit too. But I, I am a big old school gamer, so playing a lot of regular Nintendo and Super Nintendo so games. You, you just like your games to be like hard and broken kind of. Yeah, but no. <laughs> I, that's my argument for Dark Souls. Because I played Demon Souls on PlayStation 3 before Dark Souls was a thing. And that game, you go in and you really it's, it's, it's really about taking a step back. And seeing what the developers, in my mind, what the developers are laying out for you. They have a path for you. If you think about, you know, Miyamoto talking about the original Super Mario Brothers, he's like, you know, I wanted to make it to where in the very beginning, you run to the right. That's how you, the player learns that they can move. And then a Goomba starts coming up, and then you start to freak out. And you're like, all right, I mean, I only have so many buttons on a regular Nintendo controller. So you press B and it does nothing. You press A and you jump. Okay, well, mm-hmm. let's try jumping on it because his head's not a spike. And then it kills it. Okay, now you know oh, how right. to jump. And then there are golden blocks immediately right there. Well, let's hit those. Now that I know how to jump. So you're learning how to play the game. And then they immediately put the pipes there so you can jump over those. Same thing with Dark Souls. You walk in, you get that skeleton that's going to do something to you in the very beginning of the level. Right. And you learn that, hey, he's going to swing this way. He's going to move this way. And then you slowly just piece together the level one by one. So then that's why you see crazy speedrunners mm-hmm. you know, going through. They know exactly where everything is in that level. And then when you get that elation from beating this ridiculously mean-looking giant boss, that, that feeling yeah, of Yeah, when you finally figured out it's mm-hmm. big. The, the problem is, though, I don't get to feel that very often in other games even like I, you don't get that level of achievement feeling, in my opinion. And I, I think a part of that is because in a lot of the games, it's level based. Given that you have like levels in Dark Souls, but usually it's okay. You're not strong enough to beat this. Come back later. And this is oh no, this is really this hard. Are you going to go and grind and get some gear, mm-hmm. or are you going to get good? Well, in, I don't even think grinding for gear is the thing. You can beat that I, game well, I with agree. basic gear, which is insane, too. Well, so anytime you see something, nothing is ever impossible. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to work at it, if you want to figure out, like, oh, when he's going to dodge left, when is he going to lunge, when is he going to do this super attack? You know, if you can figure that out, and yeah, you're going to die a few times. Mm-hmm. But if you can stick through it, uh, yeah, that reward for defeating those bosses is huge. And then it ties back to the lore, too, because they have little pieces here and there from your items or weapons or uh, even, you know, you walk up to this guy and he's laying there on the ground and you can actually talk to him for some reason. And he's like, you know, well, I'm not going to make it. Here's the thing. Here's Mm -hmm. an item. Here's a tip. You know, that that dark world is there and it's bleak and it's, I don't know, really interesting. It's a gorgeous world they built, too. Dark Souls was a very fun game. That was uh that was one of those games where I, I never I never finished it just because I mean it's just hard to fucking finish you know like <laughs> it's not it's not one that you put down and then you forget about it. it's just like oh boy yeah I don't think I can beat this guy <laughs> dude I remember when I first felt like I was getting the hang of sword and shield combat against these like humanoid skeletons just it's about the same size as me. 
I was like, okay, I'm pretty good. And then I did a big swing, and the skeleton countered it and just stabbed me in the gut. <laughs> yep. And I died. I, like, full health died. And I was just like, wow. So that's a thing. Yep. <laughs> I fought a bunch of these guys, and I have never seen that. So that was, like, crushing. And I put the game down for a little bit. But when I came back, I was like, okay, okay. You know, you can this, do this. This fucking guy. Yeah, yeah. So when I see him, I'm like, okay, not going to do that again. Not going to do that. Or maybe I'll try a different weapon or I'll, you know, do something. Um, but definitely, it, it's all about learning knowledge yourself. It's not about unlocking abilities or anything like that. It's how are you as a player improving to overcome these obstacles. Yeah. Where normally it, it would give you, oh, well, here's the master sword. Now yeah. you can fight the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It know? ruins everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what do you guys, what are your I feel interpretations like... of that? I feel like one of mine, and I, I won't go too much in depth on it because I'm pretty sure I've talked about it once already on one of our episodes, but Amnesia Dark Descent mm. is, I love uh, survival horror, uh, but I don't really like it if you give me a way to fight back. Because if I have a way to fight back, that has now made it not scary to me. Now it's like a power fantasy. Yeah. Now, how can I shoot a gun really well until I win. Exactly. Now it's just a thing where it's just like the same game, just the things look a little bit scarier, I guess. Ooh, this is a purple one. They used to be blue. (laughs) Yeah. So spooky. Amnesia Dark Descent, you're running around just essentially trying to solve puzzles. You start the game out, and you've kind of written a letter to yourself before you you got amnesia, and it basically just tells you that you need to get into the basement of this house. And uh, you start walking around, I remember the very first moment that anything scary happened in that game. It wasn't even, it was it was a good horror moment because it wasn't even a monster or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just you're walking down this hallway and suddenly you just have this sense of dread. The air sucks out of the room and you just topple to the floor and you're just kind of down there. And then you get back up and it's time to play the game again. And, you know, the the music got really eerie. It just felt like you were having a heart attack almost. And while you're playing, it feels like you're having a heart attack, yeah. like when that's happening. And then, and then once you like, get up. Is there up, somebody in the room? Am I by myself? Like, I yeah. can't move? So you get up and you're like, okay, where's the monster? Trick is, there's no monster on that level. You just walk <laughs> around, freaking out around every really single I only played corner. that first level, and I almost got too spooked. I had to stop playing. I could never play it. <laughs> oh, that I could, amazing. I could never play it more than, like, 15 minutes at a time. Like, mm-hmm. if, if if I was playing it alone, there were times where, like, I'd play it with a buddy of mine, but even even the two of us would get too freaked out. Yeah. But uh, but man, that was that was such a good game, and I, I, this is what I mentioned on the podcast before: the monsters in that game, when you actually see them, oh, they are so freaky looking. But the trick is, you can't look at them. If you look at them, it makes you insane in the game. Right. So you see like a silhouette, and you see a glimpse of the monster, and that allows them to reuse monsters throughout the game. You never see it long enough for it to lose its effect so that's actually one of my favorite parts about that game because for me horror isn't about how much gore you get or whatever and i agree resident evil has that sort of you know hey you can beat these things here's an automatic weapon and you know you are powerful enough to beat them but amnesia does make it to where they don't even show you the monster until i mean pretty far into it i remember Mm -hmm. yep and that in itself makes that so much scarier to me. Like, not knowing there could be something, there might not be something, but who knows? Yeah. 
the spook spooks around. You know, mm-hmm. it, that's the best part. It absolutely is. And the fr- the first level that they even have. So this is like one of the few levels in the game where the monster is actually different than the ones that you normally see in the game. But the first level with a monster in that game, it's invisible. So you're walking around this level, and you hear footsteps, and then you're in the water a lot. So, like, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of rooms where there's, like, ankle-high water, and you see the footsteps in the water. So you know it's right next to you. If you are in the water, it will kill you. So you've got to jump from, like, box to box, and then you have to, like, pick up items and throw them across the room, and it'll chase after the items that you've thrown across the room and stuff. That was the what got me to play that game that what I had, I didn't hear about the game until a little bit later. And there was a YouTube video that I, it was just like three or four guys on, you know, Skype or, or something at the time, uh, playing it. And one person, I, like, of course one person gets to that part and they start freaking out <laughs> yeah. and completely freaking out. And you're watching the person playing and, uh, they're hiding from the monster and then they continue on. And then he starts freaking out and someone's like, wait, is he at the water part? Oh yeah, the water part. And then the other guy is like, "Yeah, that part was crazy." And then he's screaming. Yep. And that is that. That part was just nuts. Like, and the sense of dread that they give you in that game, because it's not just it's not just that there's scary things around, and you're trying to get past the scary things. They give you this intense sense of urgency because the only way in certain parts of the game that you can really see your hand in front of your face is if you pull your lantern out. And your lantern has a perpetually depleting supply of oil. So you're constantly just desperately trying to find more lantern oil throughout every portion of that game. And if you spend too much time on things, well, now you're out of lantern oil. And if you're in the dark for too long by yourself, you go insane. If you Mm -hmm. stare at a monster too long, you go insane. There's just a lot of different aspects of the game that just makes it difficult. Difficult to swallow. It's like... You could probably, I don't know this for sure, but you could probably beat that game in like an hour and a half, two hours or something. Really? I don't, I don't know. So I, I know that a horror game? Like that sounds you, like fun. If you knew, if you knew, well, there's a lot of puzzles and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you ran through it one time, you'd probably do it pretty quick. But, man, getting through those levels, some of those levels would take me like an hour and a half or more just because I was so afraid to move on to the next spot. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is the one room with light, so... I don't have to pull my lantern out. There are no monsters. I'm just going to hang here. out here for a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then the other the other cool thing was, like, uh, what they did with the environment in that game. Like, if a monster is chasing you, there's no way to fight it. You have to get away from it. So you would literally run into a room, shut the door, use your characters to, to move a table in front of the door or something. And then hop into a closet and shut the door. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you're hidden in this closet, peeking through a little crack. And you just hear him beating the door down and shattering everything. And then you're still just breathing in this closet. And you can hear his feet moving all the way around the room. It's just, oh, per- great game. Great game. <laughs> uh, my answer, because I, I want to come back to the spooks here in a minute. But uh, my answer to your question, Jimmy, would be, this is a game. I don't know if this is, like, the bi- biggest example of this. Um, but, uh, oh, geez, I can't, now I can't even remember it. Um, what's that game we played a game on that we beat all the way through? The beat em up. Man, I, I've beaten that game twice. Re- I can't Russia, remember. no. Mother Russia Bleeds. Yes, yes. That's what it is. So Mother Russia Bleeds is, uh, it's by Devolver Digital, who's one of my favorite. I agree. Publishers. Man, they're great. I agree. Uh, there's, there's a company who knows what they're trying to do. 
like they're not afraid to not pull punches, but also they'll they'll laugh at themselves. I mean, they today they released a trailer for basically marijuana tycoon. <laughs> like I don't know, I forget what it's actually called, but it's a tycoon game of like the growing legal weed industry or something. <laughs> it's something super and like so they know exactly who they're appealing to. Uh, like even though they're they're the publishers and not the developers, they always get developers that fit their style. And uh, I like the way they market things. I like the way I, – I just like the way they do business. Uh, rumor has it they're a pretty good company to work for too. So I like that. Um, but they made – they published Mother Russia Bleeds, which is an old-school beat-em-up, which I've never liked. I've never, ever played a beat-em-up side-scroller like, you know, Turtles in Time and stuff. I've never liked those games. I've played a bunch of them, tried to give them a fair shot. I've even sunk – a decent amount of time into Turtles in Time one time, you know, one of the gamer parts around here, and could not get into it, and I could hardly care less. I had no interest in trying anymore. And so when... Well, I, thanks for having me on the podcast, hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I went over to my friend's house. Actually, my, my buddy Chris, who we he and I used to record a podcast together for a short little run, and uh, he invited me over, and he said, uh, you know, try this game. I bet you'll like it. So we, we booted this thing up, and uh, it's up to four players. It's an old school beat 'em up, so you've just got a few buttons. But like we were talking about with those indies, with modern indies, uh, it, it, the more you play, the more you realize you can do. Like, yeah, there's a jump button and a kick button. But if you jump and then kick, you'll do a thing. But if you do that under specific circumstances with certain enemies in certain areas, different things will happen. And that happens with all your moves, and all your moves work differently with with all these things. And uh, it seems simple at first, but the more time you play, the more you realize you can actually do. Uh, even I've beaten that game start to finish in two different settings. I think at two different Casey game ons where I was like, hey, somebody play this with me. And then we just beat the whole thing in like two or three hours. And it was so much fun. Uh, but I was surprised at that. Never liked to beat them up before. The soundtrack is great. And I listen to that. That's good. Like workout music. Not that I ever work out, but <laughs> um, <laughs> It's great. Like Devolver always has soundtracks that have really driving beats, and that is no different. Um, I, I liked its aesthetic. Aesthetic. I will say, when I first played it, while I loved playing the game, it it almost made me sick to my stomach because it is so violent. And for some reason, like cartoon violence is the kind of violence that actually bothers me the most. No kidding. Yeah. I really. could I could see cheesy '80s gore horror of like The Evil Dead. Or I could even see, like, modern stuff of just, you know... There are a few things I don't like, like eyeball stuff, you know, and <laughs> no thanks you. I, I will close my eyes on that stuff forever. Um, but I, I can generally Thomas handle... Thomas draws the ones. line at eyeball stuff. Dude. I'm, I'm actually there. I, you just start talking about eyeball stuff, and my no. eyes just want to water, and I want to rub them. And... Oh, really? It's, like, the one thing that I'll be like, okay, you have to tell me when this part's over. Um because I love horror. I love horror in podcasts. The No Sleep Podcast is great. And y'all should check it out if you haven't. Um, I like horror movies. Uh, if I read, I would probably like horror books. But I'll take audiobooks all day. Um, actually, there's a zombie audio drama that's years old called We're Alive that I highly recommend. I'm on the last season of it. It finished up a few years ago. But boy, do I like that show a lot. I, I've never liked The Walking Dead very much, but um, I really like that that show. But... Uh, I don't know how I ended up talking about eyeball stuff. Oh, but it's it's that uh, <laughs> because Mother Russia, it's Mother Russia everywhere. They did, and th that game, it's not just like bloody. There is a lot 
that is the most rated M game I've ever played. I mean, do you remember some of that stuff? Did did you beat it when we played it? No, or I didn't. Were I, you back there playing Worms with John? Yeah, I was playing Worms. That's right. <laughs> well, there is some stuff in the background of that game, especially where it's just like, whoa, okay. Like, you cannot play this game anywhere where there might be a child even thinking a, about walking in that No, room. like, seriously, it is. It, it, that is fucking rated M. Like, <laughs> oh, God. So that actually was almost too much for me at first, but then I just was like, okay, okay, okay. It's going for a thing. Like, it's shtick is this thing. I'm going to try to enjoy the game around it. And then for the most part, I was able to not worry about the, the gore stuff. My second playthrough, I did see some other stuff in the background where I was like, oh, my, that's even worse than the stuff before. <laughs> like, I can't believe I missed it the first time. Um, but that said, I have beaten that game twice. I've never beaten a beat-em-up before. Um, I still listen to the soundtrack on a regular basis. And uh, that's a game where, like, it has... There's no hard mode in it, I don't think. I think the the one mode is the one mode you have, but there are certain things you can do to make it hard mode, like little achievements where it's like, hey, try not hitting one a single one of these giant pigs that will definitely try to kill you. And I didn't even know that was possible on that specific level, but you can do it. And uh, just little things like that where you can kind of turn on your own hard mode if you want replayability. And it's got like an arena mode where you just fight waves, and it's impossible I've never beaten a single one, and there are like 10 of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, really enjoyed that game, and, and I was very surprised about it, uh, because that's not a genre I had my eyes on. That's still actually hard to, to believe, honestly. I mean, there are even games that are not so much like Golden Axe, like hardcore like beat-em-up, or Streets of Rage, or Final Fight, or Turtles in Time, mm-hmm. or even the Simpsons game, right? Yeah. But more like Castle Crashers, where it's still that four-player beat-em-up, but it's a bit different. Like, it's got a little bit more uh, character to it, and there's, again, more options on how to attack or special abilities or uh, getting a... You save all the little animals, and then you hoard them all, and you're in or the tavern at the beginning. Like, that that game, I mean, I think you might enjoy. It might be more along the lines of the beat-em-up that you'd be into. That's super interesting. Well, if you have not played Super Mother Russia Bleeds, I would gladly start to finish that thing again. Yep. Yeah, right. yeah, I'm in. Um, it's, yeah. it's cool, and it's nice that it's bite-sized enough that you can either play it in pieces or you could beat it all in one night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, well, this is funny. We pretty much hit... I mean, basically what we just what you asked was our question from last week. Um, of, okay, you know, well, sorry to bring it up right? again. Well, no, that's perfect. Um, but uh, you're you're now the host, so... I'll see you next week because you're running the show because what? you're better. <laughs> no, it's funny. This, I, this is my first time hosting the show, uh, but uh, you clearly know what you're doing. You, you talk real good about games. I like talking good about games, Thomas. Uh, well, what I was thinking about Are for you guys question, about to get into eyeball stuff? Maybe. <laughs> what? No. Um, I will get, no, 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 no. If that's where this podcast is going. No. Uh, one thing, I was thinking about our question for next week, and uh, I was thinking it is the beginning of my favorite month today. Mm. It is October 1st on Monday when we're recording this. And uh, I was thinking to ask everybody, maybe save some of these for next week, but we could talk a little bit about it now, is uh, what are some of your favorite horror games? Um, I would say this is kind of old and tired, and it does not hold up well, you know, all these years later, but um, Eternal Darkness is a great game I played on GameCube. Boy, that game scared the pants off of me. Could you play it anywhere else? Uh, I'm not sure. Was it only no. on GameCube? No, just GameCube. Just GameCube? Yeah. Is Eternal Fantastic. Darkness 
That, that's the one where, like, you'd walk into a room, and if you were going crazy, sometimes the room mm-hmm. would be flipped upside down. Or, or it would say that your controller was unplugged. Yeah. Or, like, it would, you know, back when TVs generally had universal UIs on them, it would show, like, the volume going all the way down. Or it would show, like, video, too. And, and the whole screen's black, and you're like, crap, 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 crap. Um, <laughs> yeah, that game did some amazing wall, like, fourth wall breaking stuff. Um that was a game, not a lot of happy endings. Man, <laughs> you play as a bunch of different characters, and it does not go well for them, pretty much ever. Uh, but you're all, you play through these different times in history. Like, some of them are, like, hundreds of years ago, and then others are, like, 50 years ago or 20 years ago. Um, one, I think one of them is as, as recent as, like, a couple years ago. But the premise of the game is... There's the Tome of Eternal Darkness that just shows up every once in a while. The Necronomica. Yeah, it is. And when that book, when you find just it, burn it. Somebody, dude, for real. So it's, it's gotten around. Why yep. would you read it? And like, I know she's got a mystery to solve and stuff, but like, yo, you you showed up to this big mansion because your uncle or your grandpa or whoever who owned the house mysteriously died, and the only way he could be identified was because of his teeth. His body was, like, so mutilated. And they're like, anyway, we need to stay in town so we can, like, do an investigation. Uh, there's a nice haunted mansion right here that we're inside where he died. Where You know, you want to hang out here for the night? And it's like, oh, Absolutely. no. <laughs> so she hangs out, and, and she finds the Tome of Eternal Darkness. And she starts reading. I imagine You that. start, yeah, reading this. Uh, you just, like, find it in the attic or something. And uh, why is she in the attic? <laughs> Great question. Why is she there? <laughs> and she reads these stories, and so you play through. It's like you read the story of this person, and then doodly, 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 it goes to you know two hundred years ago or whatever. Quantum as, leap. It's like somebody exploring these Aztec ruins, and they've got like a safari hat on and stuff, and uh, they are going around, and then they discover the Tome of Eternal Darkness, and. Bad things happen, and I'm it's all totally crazy. I'm picturing Hellraiser now. Like, remember? It, did you ever see Hellraiser? I actually have not. I should watch That's that this surprising. month. I know it's a, it wow. really is a classic. Uh, I'm not even that big into horror movies, yeah. and I've seen Hellraiser. I yeah. uh, I only just saw any Halloween movie for the first time a couple years ago. You know, yeah. enough of them. Like some of them, you've seen, you've seen so much about it that I almost feel like I've seen it even though I haven't so it it almost takes me longer to get to the classics than it does for me to get to cult weird ones or like killer clowns from outer space and stuff because like come on yeah nobody's gonna spoil that movie for me (laughs) so to explain Eternal Darkness think of it more like an Indiana Jones like so I think ruins right you have this guy in the safari hat exploring and it's it's third person and that was still almost like Resident Evil style where it had like a set piece, and your character ran through this still picture, almost. But it right? moved. It it, it, uh, moved it was bit. third, but it wasn't over the shoulder. It was kind of like a camera up in the corner, so to speak, where it would follow you. But the way it followed you was close enough to a movie. It was like cinematic, where it really felt like you were creeping along these rooms, um, and it, it just did all these clever things. You have to manage your health uh, sometimes. You know, every character you find is different, and a lot of them don't find any sort of weapon at all until, like, the very end of their story. Uh, like, one of them fi- finds one right at the start, and it's near, it's closer to the end of the game, and you're like, oh, finally! Like, I have someone who started with a weapon. Come at me. <laughs> you know, and uh, and spoiler alert, I think that's actually one of the only guys who survives the whole game. 
which is a coincidence. It doesn't actually have to do anything with him having a weapon. Um, but that that game just does a good job. It has great pacing. It constantly surprises you with what it throws at you because you cannot be sure that what you're seeing is actually real. So even when you see some crazy stuff, like there's one thing in particular in that game, uh, you can you can break the game. You can find some spells in the game that either you can find it and it tells you how to do it, or if you're like me and you just want to spend like 45 minutes doing every single combination you possibly can, eventually you'll discover these spells. And um, you've got like, technically you can get like an attack spell, and it's okay. It's cool. If you cheat, it's nice to like be able to just kill things. <laughs> um, but you also have spells that replenish your health or replenish your magic, which defeats the purpose because I think it costs the same amount of mana that it refills. Uh, <laughs> but the important one is that you can refill your sanity. So once you get to a certain point, you can be like, okay, I'm going to keep my sanity up. I don't want to go too crazy. I'm getting a little spooked here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lower it down. And there's a part later in the game um, where it doesn't matter. That, you're, that you know how to do that. There's a spot where when you walk through this room, a crazy thing happens, fully maxes out your meter, and the thing you see is so insane, it's the first two times I walked through there, I was like, this isn't real. This couldn't possibly be real. And it was real, and I immediately died. <laughs> <laughs> um, and even the second time, I was like, okay, I must be doing something wrong because this is insane. Instead of doing this, I'm going to do that. And I walked in. Yeah, I died again. It was bad. <laughs> uh, so that was kind of funny because, again, at the end of the game, I not unlike Dark Souls, it was like, okay, I've got this figured out. And then the game just reminded me that I did not. I did not at all. And the fact that it kept me guessing all the way throughout that thing and it had different interesting environments and characters. And the whole time you're, you continue to go back to this mansion that unlocks as, like, you learn the character's story, but you learn something from it. And that thing you learned allows you to unlock a new part of the mansion. And as you explore this mansion and read more and more, stuff gets weirder and weirder until finally you are now, this is your story, like you're now haunted. There are actually things in here now. Um, But boy, that game is just full of good horror. I feel like they could do that with games now. Like, especially, so I mean, you already sync up like your Xbox or whatever to your TV and you can control, you control like TV volume and everything from your cell phone. So I feel like that would be a possibility. I'm surprised people don't do that because more often, I think but... there's just so much diversity in yeah, that's TV. True. I mean, think think of how hard it is to get Netflix natively on like anything that's not a Roku. Mm-hmm. It's terrible because it's hard. You know, when you have Netflix on your PlayStation that you watch through your TV, cool, that's fine. Playstations are pretty universal, but when you have like ten different brands of tv and they all try to have a nate like a thing where you search a menu and do this stuff they all run terribly because you specifically had to design that program around the tv yeah you've got like ten thousand different like remote codes yeah and 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 the way that like your component two is going to show up and the way your volume and and mute button um and any of that stuff is going to show up will be unique so it's hard to have that unifying tech experience because there's there's too much diversity in our technology What's interesting about that is that there's only one other game that I can think of that did anything like that, and that would be Metal Gear Solid back in PlayStation 1, Dude, and you I'm find watching, Psycho Mantis. I'm watching uh, Giant Bomb. I'm watching their old videos of a rookie and a veteran play through those. I am amazed at the stuff they've done in that game. It's so great. I, I do love series. that game. But I, I, I think to answer the question, I don't have very many big explanations like you do honestly like i've got a couple goofy ones and i think one that may be it 
but uh, it, so I wanted to, to hit Metal Gear Solid. So of course, Psycho Mantis, you you go into his room and you're starting to fight him like any normal Metal Gear Solid fight because by now it's like the third or fourth major boss. I don't remember; it's been already too long. But uh, he knows your every move. You can't hit him. You can't do anything. It's literally you running around trying to figure out what you can do. And as you're playing, he he does that. He says, yeah, well, here's you know my power. And then makes this crazy grunt noise. And then your TV turns black and shows the video, the green video text at the no, top it's, right. No, it, but it, it says uh, Hideo. Yeah. Which is just like, oh, you know what you're doing. Oh, <laughs> oh see you. what you did. Yeah. And, uh, it, of course, it pops back in, and then suddenly I'm still playing. And, of course, at that time, I loved Castle... I still love Castlevania. And his, his Psycho starts mm-hmm. saying, like, oh, so I see you like Castlevania. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> I do! How do you know? <laughs> and then you you beat him by unplugging your controller and plugging it back in the second controller slot, mm-hmm. and he can't find you anymore. And that's just amazing. Yeah. But uh, to to answer the question, I think... The only games that I think have really like freaked me out, or the spooky games that I really enjoyed, would uh, be back in the day. I, I had a Sega Genesis, and I went to Blockbuster Video, where you can rent games, not digitally, uh, physically buy the game for like three days, and you have to turn it back, or they have crazy rental. Man, fees. I'm gonna have to dust you off here. I know. I have to <laughs> explain it. What Blockbuster Video even is? And dude, I tried to show a kid Tricky Towers. The other day, yeah. which is like Tetris with physics, yeah. And I was like, "Do you like? Can you kind of figure out how to play this?" And he's like, "No." And I was like, "Well, have you played Tetris before?" And he said, "No." And I was just like, <laughs> "Man, I, I guess I could have seen that coming." Like, I think I should eat a Werther's original right now. That sounds great. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, though. That's okay. <laughs> and uh, so I, I rented Ultimate Mortal Kombat three, and at that point, it was almost too much. Like, even that gore was a bit too much for me. And I, I, I got it, and I played it for a bit, and I just got destroyed. And, of course, you get knocked into the pit and the spikes and the blood everywhere. And I was like, eh, Mom, it's too much for me. I'm a kid. I'm going to pee myself. And I had to take it back. And that was just the first oh, time. And I was no. like, no, it's not good. <laughs> and the other one I played a lot later, and it was, again, a Super Nintendo game. And what, what kind of we- was a little bit strange is that this was not very long ago. This was uh, five years, maybe, at most. And uh, they actually just had the, I think, the 20th anniversary, but Out of This World uh, just came back out. And you start that game, and you get like just dropped into this alien planet, and there's this like dark, black, gorilla-type beast that immediately starts running at you. And if you don't press anything on the controller in like 0.2 seconds, you're dead. <laughs> And you just start the game. If you skip the intro sequence, you just die after like a second. And I'm like, what? And it kind of, you don't really know what it is, and it just kind of gets you. I don't know. And uh, I would say the last thing is Nosferatu on the Super Nintendo. There was a game? No, yeah, absolutely. And you literally have this timer. And as this timer slowly goes down, and that movie has always just, like, freaked me out because of just how slow and weird he Mm -hmm. moves, and that is his whole thing, right? And no matter where you are, he's just there, kind of slowly moving around the corner. Here's my fingertips. Yeah, the creepy, long fingertips. And and the game does the same thing. I mean, you have that timer, and he's just slowly moving through, and you have to try to run through this 2D puzzle platformer and try to get through the... You start in the dungeon and work your way out. And it... That... 
just timer and it's just it's uncomfortable. That'd it's super fun. uncomfortable. I guess our question this month is just what's your favorite horror game in the spirit of, of Halloween? Well, the question wouldn't be this week, but this is a whole month thing because it is spooked over. Um, so we'd love to hear from you guys so we can uh, talk about that and maybe get some recommendations for stuff that we can play. Absolutely. I'm always looking for a new, uh, a new sur- for specifically survival horror. I feel like I feel like it doesn't scratch the itch for me unless it's survival in some way. Well, man, sometime this month, not sure for a date yet, but I'm going to my buddies to, uh, he's going to show us some horror VR games. Mm, so, like, we get, we, we don't hang out that much outside of October. Uh, you know, we talk online and stuff, but. He's just your spooky friend? Kind of. <laughs> uh, you know, Meech. I do. Uh, like, we don't end up actually hanging out unless it's, like, horror or VR stuff. And now, like, somebody, well, it, it doesn't really matter, but somebody's like, hey, do you guys want to get together again? And, and we're like, absolutely. Like, no <laughs> doubt. And so he, he said on, uh, instead of doing movies this time, we'll do some horror VR stuff, which nice. I've never done. I've uh, watched people do it. I watched some stuff at uh, Casey GameCon last year. And uh, I'm excited to try it myself. I got the PlayStation VR at home. It's crazy. It's it's fun. I haven't done it yet. I man, I don't even know if I could do VR horror. That I feel like that'd be too real for me. You can't turn it off. You can only close your eyes. It's intense. You can rip the heads. <laughs> I bet I bet that genre is responsible for more broken hardware and peripherals than than any other thing. Not than the original Wii. Yeah, lots of the Wii bowling Wii accidents. Yeah, baseball. Oh, bowling. Oh, Ten- oh, right. Cool, yeah, so everybody uh, let us know what your favorite horse titles are, uh, maybe what we should try uh, this month. Um, I could definitely get my fix. I know Friday the 13th is uh, free at least the first half of this month. I forget if it's the whole month on uh, PlayStation. Um, I cannot remember the Xbox games, but if you want to get your spook on, uh, apparently they've patched the game, so it's a little better these days. I know there used to be some... Serious chain cutting. Steam likes to come out with a lot of early access spooky titles that are in that vein of like, you know, run away from the one player who's the bad guy. Um, but always they're just full of glitches and stuff. That That's something, you know, a dime a dozen with those. So when a good one comes out, it's nice. Uh, but yeah, so send us your feedback. And uh, you know what I was thinking? We had a bunch of news this week that I wanted to talk about, but I had a great time discussing everything we did. I'm glad we hit Red Dead. Uh, but I'm wondering if we could just do, like, a lightning round here. I want to at least mention a couple of these things that I missed. Um, I've got uh, Darkest Dungeon, which is more spooks. Uh, I really like that game. Highly recommend it to everybody. Uh, they have a new DLC that's coming out on console. It came out a little while ago on PC, but it's finally going to hit um, the consoles here in a little while. When I, I read a couple articles, and it seems like it's it doesn't even have a release date for PlayStation, which stinks because that's what I'm on. And I don't really know what the reason for that is. It seems unusual that they would only leave that one out because it's not an exclusive in any way. Well, I assume it's the same reason why developers try to, to get on Steam rather than anything else. It's, it's just the how much it costs and fees to get onto each of those respective uh, mm-hmm. stores, you know, the PlayStation Store, and especially like the Nintendo Store, you know, hearing about that core, sort of just horror. Maybe that's something that that's... Nintendo's... That's their horror simulation. Fear, yes, <laughs> and all of the developers and putting anything on their Get systems. around the Wii shop. Yeah. Whoa, Whoa, no. <laughs> uh, for them, that would be like, navigate the forums with your parents in the room. Like, oh, no. watch out! Look for the count! Don't look! <laughs> Bowser, no! <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's coming out for everything but PS4, uh, which like, 
crying tears over here for. Yeah. But that's okay because I still haven't even bought the other DLC, so I got time. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, I bet the reason for that is I bet uh, whoever their developer was, probably something just happened with the studio because the publishers will hire different uh, developers to do work on different platforms. Um, so that's going on. Uh, something else, um, I could talk about Telltale a little more. I won't really go into it. The, the only update is, uh, for anybody who hasn't seen, um, the company is like, on one hand, people have stepped forward to potentially finish out some of the content that they haven't finished. I don't know how I feel about that because until everyone gets paid for their overtime, I don't really care if the game, if the stuff is released because it's cool that the company's like, oh yeah, we're here for the fans. We don't want to let you down. It's like, that's nice, but pay your employees first. <laughs> like, just, you know, give me a Kickstarter for the for the next round of games or something. If people care about it, they'll, they'll you know, pitch something in. And Even... I'm dying to see how Minecraft story mode ends. <laughs> <laughs> But even at that point, like the same thing though, the employees will still not get paid. No, if the even if they come happens, out, okay, great. We'll we'll make the rest of the game. We'll pay off the people we owe money to. Yeah, you know. But yeah, so that stinks. I, it seems like too little, too late. Running a business is hard, but it really seems like somebody messed up a while ago and kept saying, "I can fix this. I can fix this." And they couldn't fix it. It's just beating the dead horse, and then the dead horse's brother is going to find out from the bartender <laughs> in the, the town next over. Right. And you got you got to skip town. Yep. That horse uh, is going to find you. Callbacks. Callbacks. <laughs> uh, so that stuff's interesting. And then and then uh, one of the old employees, it's a little more complicated than this, but he's suing the company for basically breaking state labor laws, I think. Yeah, I, not giving them 60 days notice. Yeah, which federally it followed regulations, but... I think that was in California, and it went against a state regulation that was a labor law, essentially saying just that. Right. I think what they're going to try to fight is that it was a closure, not uh, a layoff, I think was the difference. Yeah. So I don't, I, I'm actually curious to see how that turns out, because California labor laws are crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a class action lawsuit, so those are their own thing as well. So probably everybody will get like $2. 10 cents out of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Probably we haven't heard the end of that. Um, whatever. I still wish. I still hope that everybody can find a job soon because we talked about it last week. But that whole thing stinks. I wanted to jump into your lightning round. I have something that I saw recently. Uh, so Chrome, Google released their streaming. Like they, they have a plan to release content. Like so, you can play AAA games. Their their example. Their the 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 video they showed was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which comes out Friday. Uh, playing in a Google Chrome tab, what? 60 frames per second, everything is just streaming. Uh, they they call it, I think it's just Project Stream is what it's called. It's basically you you buy the game, you have to own the game, and I don't know if you buy it through their client, through Google Play or whatever, and you can literally just play it while streaming in any tab. I mean, wherever you're at, you just play it, and it... It looked pretty good. I mean, there were only a couple of times where it looked like there was a little bit of, like, pixelation and everything. That was really interesting because, I mean, back in the day, uh, I was a GameStop store manager. And uh, I got to test, and this was probably, you know, 2008 or 9, maybe 10. Uh, I was testing out a GameStop beta of a streaming service that was kind of like on live, if you guys remember that where you buy the game and like you put the disc in but it also helped like it, it, 
you had to put it in to authorize it, and then you didn't have to have the game anymore. Oh, yeah, I you remember had to that. Prove that you owned Those, it. That was a funny time. It was so strange, but you, it never worked correctly. There was so much lag, and I never it never felt the same. So I wonder how. I mean, it's Google, so I'm sure they're going to have NASA particles in it, making it <laughs> as fast as possible. I don't know, but they're going to use everything they can to make it work right. But I, I am curious to see how that plays out because that's that's going to be out soon. I mean, yeah. showing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and that game's gorgeous too. Yeah. Dude, even Origins was gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. So streaming services, just flat streaming, not even anything with a disc. It's not downloading it to your hard drive, nothing. Man, maybe Red Dead needs to do that. Right? Maybe it will. Actually, that really is interesting because that would go a long way to solving the issue that the PlayStation, like, if I got an external hard drive, cool. I wouldn't have to worry about space, but I'd have to get an external hard drive um, and then... Also, there are questions, like, besides install space, there are limitations on install rate, especially if you don't live in, like, the city or somewhere right. with high-speed high internet. Which, so, like, that wouldn't solve the high-speed internet issue, but it would solve the space issue. And with, like, PlayStation, it wouldn't have made sense for them day one to come out with a terabyte hard drive. It, it just wouldn't have made sense. Like, over the course of the lifetime of this console, now, you know, and this has been going on for a little while now, but then people need space. They don't need it day one. But maybe that's a solution to what continues to happen is at the beginning of a console generation's life, you don't need all that space, but later on you will. So instead of having to upgrade your hardware, maybe, you know, if Google or someone, you know, big like that could really manage something like that, that would, it seems like that would take that whole problem out as long as you had uh, good internet. Right. I think what they're trying to do literally is just get as many more users as possible because it, when you you don't have a PC, it, you don't have a console, but you want to game, the only limitation is then internet if you are working with this Google streaming service, right? So you should go I mean, to the library and pop it up and there you are in your safe file. Well, then the people that are not able to get that fast internet, then they can either buy a console or a PC. And that way it's either hardware limitations or not. And which one is it? You know, there are people in the city that may not have a PC or a PlayStation well, 4. They just don't want to have something sitting in their living room or their office. They just want to have a laptop. And the, the laptop's not powerful enough to play the games they want to play. The last thing I had wanted to cover was uh, the Oculus Quest got announced this week, which was light on the details. Mm -hmm. But it was basically a standalone VR headset uh, that does not require a computer. Which, like, right now, the reason I can't play my Vive, which is it's silly that I have a Vive but not a computer... <laughs> is that I don't have a computer. And because I, I'm perfectly happy with my PlayStation, it's just there are some games that are only on Steam that I want, and I want to do VR because I think it's amazing. But it stinks that I have to buy a good rig to be able to play my expensive hardware. You know, that's just a lot of stuff that is not that accessible, you know? And, like, I'm doing all right for myself, but there are plenty of people who would love to even try a VR heads, you know, VR setup, but it's just not an option. Because, like, maybe you need space, you need a whole room dedicated to this stuff, which certainly I don't have. But I might be able to finagle something. My barrier is just hardware. I don't want to have to own an expensive rig that I'm just going to play indie games on and occasional VR stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that goes, that goes in that direction as well of, hey, here's your thing. Oh, sorry. Here's your thing. Now you can play it. You don't need any extra bells or whistles. You purchase the thing. Here it is in a box. Now play it um so i 
am all about that. I can, I'm excited to hear new details on on that because the price isn't prohibitive. I think it's. I, I'm not even going to say what it is because <laughs> I don't, because I, I know I get it wrong. Um, but I remember reading that the price didn't seem prohibitive. I hope I, I hope I'm not making that up. Uh, but it is a step towards getting more VR setups in people's homes. The more homes it's in, the more developers we'll get, and the more we'll see virtual reality grow not just into a gaming space, but into the what I think are the more usable spaces of like, hey, I want this architect to, to walk me through my future home in VR. Or like, give me a virtual tour of this apartment in another state that I'm going to go move or into. Or the virtual Walmart training. Yeah, actually. <laughs> uh, that really is funny that people have gotten training. And I can't remember if I talked about that last week or if we talked about it offline. Uh, but Facebook has teamed up with, uh, well, Oculus, which is owned by Facebook, has teamed up with Walmart to send 17,000 Oculus Rift headsets to stores for training purposes. And the Oculus is generally the most affordable uh, PC VR hardware. So if the issue is getting VR into people's homes, Oculus just made such a smart move by getting all of these employees at one of the biggest employers in, in the country to all try out this hardware and discover it. Because I'm sure a ton of them have have not ever tried VR. I have several questions. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first I've heard of this deal. Um, have they been inside of a Walmart recently? At all. I mean, maybe. maybe? I, Why do you ask? I, well, <laughs> what kind of training can they do with an Oculus that you can't do by just standing in the store for about five minutes? <laughs> standing in I'm the only store for about five minutes involves potentially really messing things up. <laughs> with the employee? Yeah. Or with the store? No, because... if I'm an employer, I've never done customer service employee, and I've never done customer service before, and... Boy, I just really whiff it my first time, and that customer is pissed. So I'm just picturing an Oculus Rift. So you're you walk, you're standing there. You put on the Oculus, right? And you're like, okay, now you're 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 just needing to go in, and you answer a couple questions and ring the person up. Great. Okay, here you go. You put on the Oculus, and you walk in, and the customer comes up, and they talk to you like an oblivion, like Bethesda's <laughs> AI. Hello, hello, greetings, traveler. It is really warm out today. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, it sir, is. and you, you're grabbing these. What are they buying at Walmart? They're probably buying some sweatpants. $5 uh, videos and a bunch. out of the $5 bin. I would love to buy Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium <laughs> and this sweatpants and my Pringles. And grown-ups, yeah. too. Yes. <laughs> and, and then you press the buttons on the, the keypad, and then somebody, like somebody's kid throws up behind you. So then, actually, you, that really could be something that you wouldn't want to try and practice. You would want to simulate it first. But that's you, when the red alert sirens go off in the VR. But you—that's now they're going to introduce smell there. sensors. You're like, I did not want this. Take this back. You bring the person up, wish them a merry Christmas, and then you have to grab the virtual mop, and then you're like, <laughs> well, so one thing they've done it for in the past already is there are these kiosks. Uh, that the idea is you can walk into the store and pick up your online order without talking to a human at all. So um, they they either don't ex- exist yet or they didn't. The point is they used virtual reality already uh, to try out the software on this new kiosk that doesn't exist yet. 
so that when it showed up, everyone knew exactly how to use the computer, which can solve a lot of problems because a lot of people can, maybe they don't use computers on their day-to-day at all. Maybe they haven't used a computer literally in years. So this helps them learn how to use this thing and get the muscle memory in without having to spend a ton of company time breaking the machine. That makes a lot more sense than what I had in my head. Maybe (laughs) they just sent out a bunch of like empty headsets with just like translucent glass on the back and they just put it on and think that it's it's VR. (laughs) You are now in VR. You're like, man, these graphics are really good. Oh my God, it's so real. I know on the the front of a Vive, they have the camera that points forward so you can press a button so you can see what's in front of you even though your eyeballs are covered. I imagine they do that and be like, man, these graphics. Next gen. There is a kid actually throwing. Does this smell? (laughs) Does this headset? So yeah, so that stuff's interesting. Um, I, I am just, uh, I'm excited to see VR finally reach the stage where it's taken seriously instead of just as like a gimmick thing. And w- the way it's going to do that is it's going to get real world uh, applications like this Walmart thing. Um, or, you know, building a something in CAD and walking through it as if you're in Minecraft, you know. Well, I've seen some pretty cool AR stuff, though. I mean, you, you're having somebody, have, you, they hold their hand out, and you see a little menu, like an A, B, and C, and they're on tabs that are basically around their wrist. And you, with your other hand, reach over and grab the A tab and pull out to the right, and then a menu comes out. And then you can access things on the menu using AR rather than VR. That's sweet. Mm. Yeah. So that, that kind of, I mean, they can twist their hands, and the menu just kind of flips with them, almost like uh, the... Uh, Tom Cruise Minority Report. Thank you. Yeah. And even Iron Man, like that, just moving the Jarvis menus around. Like, it's very much like that, but with AR, just the Google Glass or the... I I want someday, hopefully soon, to have like a a VR setup. That'd be okay if you still had, if it was VR instead of AR. But either way, if if you had a glove-shaped, like a hand-shaped controller that actually felt good, that was not the power glove. Oh, damn. Uh, that, I was really hoping that, that was intuitive that, in that you could reach around and do stuff without having to feel like you're holding a controller because even though I think the Vive has a great controller it's still a controller and I mean that's one reason that the Wii did well is because you didn't like you didn't feel like you were holding a traditional controller so that's why it was a family console because people were more comfortable you know bowling like that instead of holding a two analog stick you know dual shock in their hand um, so the further we go away from a controller and towards uh, an intuitive, easy hand movement kind of thing, like the, the further we go in that direction, the better it's going to be and the more people are going to see regular applications to things instead of a game you know, or a piece of hardware. Uh, but I'm excited for all that. Um, I'm excited to check out this VR horror stuff too. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's all we have for news. Uh, give us your feedback on this week's question and uh, if you have any suggestions for what we should talk about next week or a question we should ask next week uh, or even any news that you want to hear us uh, dig into uh, give us a ring we are on Twitter and Facebook Uh, on Twitter we're at Gamer Heroes uh, we're at Heroes Podcast rather Um, let me get this straight I've already messed it up uh, in weeks past so we've got the Heroes Podcast Network Twitter handle we have the Gamer Heroes Twitter handle uh, we have GGKC, which is GG dash, uh, GG underscore Kansas underscore city. Uh, and then on Facebook, we've got all the good stuff. We've got a page, but we also have a group that you can interact with. We'd love to have you in there. Uh, we got dank memes. We got news. <laughs> um, generally, just good people. Uh, and then we've got a Discord and all that good stuff. Anyway, go check out uh, one of those things. You'll, you'll find the rest. Um, 
But Jimmy, thanks for coming and, and hanging out with us. Yes, thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, that was a blast. Yeah, this is a good time. This is fun. Um, yeah, so this will be out on Wednesday, and uh, happy Spooktober. To- yeah. Happy Spooktober, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm speaking in tongues. I'm, I'm now wondering if that was on purpose. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. It's kind of creepy watching with the tongue roll. Yeah, yeah. My, not my creepy again. meter is all the way at the top at all times. So, yes. um, Our music is life formed. You can find them on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you uh, listen to music. All right, thanks everybody. Sweet. See you next week. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GCE became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose.